All right, folks, welcome back to another episode of uh, your favorite paranormal podcast on the planet Earth and other galaxies. I'm told, you know, we got some questions from uh, other galaxies in this the second round, our uh, second time around the sun with the with uh, questions from beyond the web. You know, more questions from beyond the web. This was a fun, you know, the first we did it in season one, we did it. You know what I mean? I did it with Ray here. Ray, how you doing over there? Not bad. How about you? I'm doing all right. Doing all right. Uh, I'm getting excited because we're about to pop into, you know, one of my favorite episodes of, of season one was the questions from the web episode because you could just kind of hang out, get a question give it an answer, roll on. You don't, it's, it's kind of fluffy and fun. You don't got to go too deep into some scurries. You get a little bit of scurries and a little bit of uh, questionable things. And uh, you don't got to delve, dive head on, which we dive in deep sometimes. You know what I mean? So it's okay. It's good to come up for air. You know what they say? That's what they say in the industry. So uh, we gathered up, uh, Breed here. we got 13 questions. Lucky number 13. Um, and we're going to roll through them like we did the first time around and answer them. And a lot of good questions here. Um, this time around, it was a, it was a, we had more people, which was nice. You know what I mean? Yeah, they came in pretty quickly too. Um, so we can appreciate that. So thank you to everybody out there that uh, sent in their questions. I'll thank you at the end with a, I'll credit you with a first name basis. That's how we do it. And uh, yeah. So Ray, how you feeling about you? You enjoyed the, I know next episode, we're talking about our big hundreds, all the hundred episodes we've done. Uh, this is number nine, nine, ladies and gentlemen, we're getting there. How'd you, uh, how did the, the, the questions from beyond the web episode, treat you first time around it was fun it's uh always interesting to hear what people have questions about and then uh try and answer them uh, give them whatever you happen to know it's true that is true so uh without further ado i'll start the questions i like to go in you're a lucky man ray you get to go in completely blind to the questions yeah, I remember, <laughs> I, which I, I appreciate. I remember receiving it, having to write the questions down, and then I tried to forget about them. I try not to come up with an answer. When I read them, I try to come up with a nice answer on the show. Um, so hopefully that isn't the fault. That doesn't fault me anyway. But with that being said, first up on more questions from beyond the web. This one comes from Lisa. Lisa, thank you very much for the question. And that is, if you could bring back a spirit uh, to the living world, who would it be and why? That's like one of those ultimate questions. Um, it's crazy. You don't want to create no butterfly effect and bring back the wrong person and change the course of, of the world. I know that. Do you have an answer for this one yet? No, I, I don't have an answer for that. I would say it is better not to bring someone back. Yeah. They, have trans- yeah. they have transitioned over in another form. They're in another dimension, another place. Uh, they're growing spiritually there. And I don't see why you would, it would, to me, it would be very selfish to try and bring someone back. 
or to want them back. I, my view is that you let them stay where they are. Yeah. And if there's anything like communication or any messages or any knowledge, you know, seek that out from them. But bring them back. No, I'm against uh, trying to bring them back. That's very, you know, Frankenstein monster or a whole lot of different things, areas you're going into. And uh, you're trying to violate the natural order of things by bringing someone back. I say, let them stay where they are and be content with that. As I said, what you're bringing back, uh, you're bringing it back for yourself. And to me, that's very selfish. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I can vibe with that for sure. Um, It's weird. I I feel like it should almost be jumping to like family or something like that, but I'm not even really catching that vibe. I do kind of catch your vibe with the don't want to just put any disturbance in the force out there. Um, But to keep things festive, is there any, any, anybody you would like to have a conversation with? We'll, we'll go with that from that that was gone, so to speak, just to keep it a little, to give them a little more meat on their answer. Well, as far as I go, being a medium, um, if you're talking about family, friends, people in spirit, um, I have that conversation now. So I, I speak with the dead. Um, I seek their counsel. Yeah. Um, so in that sense, it's kind of the wrong person to ask because I can see quiet times and speak with them now. Um, if you're talking a historical figure, I don't have anything to really relate to them with. Yeah. So a personal figure, uh, someone that's been in my life, those I've approached and communicated with already. And they've taught me some good lessons in life. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, I know it's weird, one of those weird things. If it, you know, it doesn't say for how long. It could just be for an evening or so. So, you know, I'd probably pick somebody, you know, from it's almost a throwaway foolish one, but I'd probably pick somebody from entertainment that I really enjoyed, be it a musician or a filmmaker, like maybe Kubrick, like a Stanley Kubrick, uh, you know what I mean, or Rodney Dangerfield. Something kind of cool, you know what I mean? Carlin or Richard Pryor type deal. Um, you know, there's a lot of, I'd say Charles Bukowski, but I feel like he'd be troublesome. If I could get Charles Bukowski in a good mood, happy mood, uh, I'd say go for it. But yeah, I don't know. It's weird. That It's kind of an interesting thing, you know, that bring him back because everybody kind of says, you know, oh, I wish I could bring him back. I wish I could bring him back. And it's like the, the it's a sentimental thought, you know what I mean? But it's like, when you really think about the the reality of bringing somebody back, it's almost like, nah, well, I probably shouldn't be messing with the way things are. You know, I shouldn't be playing God, you know what I mean? Uh, and just kind of we'll pick something fun and roam with it. All right. I hope that answered your question, Lisa. Um, next up from Alex. Uh, can a person that is truly evil create a demon or a spiritual entity from his or her own negative energy? I think we've got, we've kind of covered this a few times on the show a little bit. My, my, you know, we could differ on opinion, but I feel like, yeah, of course, I think that, 
Um, if somebody was like a really evil person, you know, it goes back to that book that we brought up, like in the first couple episodes, um, I forget the name for right now. And I actually bought it and haven't read it yet, but the one about how the guy was like a Satanist and he like dedicate, gave his kids, like his son's life to the devil, um, like before the kid was even born when he was in the womb and the dude, the father was an awful person. Uh, eventually I think he killed the mother and himself in front of the kid. And then the kid grew up with all types of issues as you would assume. Um, and he claimed to be like, like, like possessed, like, and he couldn't get away from it type deal. Like he didn't want to be bad, but it was just like, like it was the darkness was around him at all times. And it's kind of a really creepy thought because, it's not even his own fault. You can hear a story about somebody who like brings it on themselves, so to speak. That's like, well, give me all the, uh, you know, give me, if, if, if evil means being powerful, give me everything type deal. Like those people, you can be all right. Well, that's one thing, but like, you know, th- th- that those people to the umph degree is what this father was, where he was beyond, you know, more than selfish. And he said, instead of give me all this power, but take, take this in, in place of it is that it's the super darkness. Um, but yeah, I definitely feel that if someone was truly evil and darkness and negative, that they could kind of create a demon or a spiritual entity. It's kind of like that human mind conjurings thing that we did a couple of, you know, maybe like 10 or so 15 episodes back. Um, I think that yeah, you put enough will will into something. It could almost be done. What's your take on that question? Well, when you're talking about that negative energy and you're talking about that evil, you're manifesting. And anything that is already evil on the other side taps into that energy. And it kind of melds, it joins with that um, energy. And you are creating a force there. Uh, Whether you want to call it a demon, whether you want to call it evil, but you're giving life to that energy and direction to it. So yes, a very evil person can create a negative evil entity. They can give it life and it can manifest itself in this world. That's a definite yes, that can happen. Yeah. Yeah, it's a crazy, it's it's, it's crazy, but it's crazy to think, but yeah, we both definitely think that that's the, you know, that that's definitely some serious stuff and that's the stuff you know, people get into super dark places and do super dark things and it does lurk and, and stick to you like glue. You know what I mean? It's like the tar and feathering type process and, you know, just having all that negative energy around you uh, is no good. You know what I mean? No, no, no bueno. Well, it, it kind of, it overtakes you. So yeah. you lose your identity and you become one with it. It possesses you. Yeah. Like the book. I got to read that book one of these days. All right. Question number three from Sarah. Uh, Why do you think religion refuses to believe in paranormal stuff? It's a good question. You want to hit it first? You can hit. I think I hit the last one first. You want to take this one first? Okay. Um, Current, I would say 21st century religion and for a while some several centuries uh, have put down the paranormal um, partly because 
it is in a sense competition. Uh, and it doesn't fit there, the guidelines that have developed over time. You have to realize that in any religion, um, if you go back to the roots, most of them, particularly those that may be uh, thousands of years old, were very different than what we know or what people may practice now. Because people, and the key word is the people, have put their will on top of it unfortunately have used it or manipulated it or censored it. Mm-hmm. Not always bad, but they have done that. Because if you go back into a lot of ancient cultures, including um, the older, uh, the ancient Judaism, mm-hmm. uh, they believed in the supernatural. They believed it was there. Um, there was even a word for it, which I can't remember at this time. But the supernatural was any power outside of the ordinary. Yeah. Now, it's, it's an interesting thing that um, we tend to think that uh, it was the first monotheistic or single God religion, and it wasn't. Uh, I believe it's called Hellenistic. Not, no, not Helen. Henoistic. So, anyways, there was a name for it. Um, around the time of the Greeks, they came up with, they came up with a name for it. But in the old religion, they believed there were many gods and there were supernatural forces. But there was one supreme creator or god that everything came from. Yeah. Over the centuries, that has been modified and turned into monotheism, where the claim is like, no, there's only one. Uh, in its original form, there wasn't one God and there wasn't recognition of other forces out there in the universe. And there was a word that translates into supernatural right now. So I think that what you have is over time, again, the influence of people, um, whether it was people in power. Um, you take uh, the first uh, Holy Roman Emperor who uh, made the, uh, had the vision and made Christianity the original uh, religion of Rome at the time. And then you go back to the Nicene uh, Council. That was around 300 uh, BCE. Uh, not BCE. Uh, okay, I'll use the outdated thing. Uh, AD, Honest Domini. But um, that was where they basically took 40, 50 different scriptures and got it down to one. Because they wanted to kind of homogenize it, make it something coordinated, make it something for the people easy to follow. Yeah. So throughout history, um, and this is all religions, not just Christianity. Um, Judaism that we have now is primarily rabbinic. Previous to that, it was very different. There are about eight or nine types of Judaism. Um, if, if you go to B- B.C., um, and this jumps how it's been changed. And that's all the human influence. Uh, there's an old saying um, that the disciple can never fully understand or comprehend the teacher. Because they are not experiencing what the teacher is. So it's very difficult. So the disciple always puts a little bit of their slant on what they're trying to teach. Yeah. When they're relaying the information. Unfortunately, that, that's uh, happened throughout time. So, like I've said in past episodes, deep diving into the origins of religions and the original beliefs 
is absolutely fascinating. And we often find out it's nothing like what we have uh, now. And that's across the board on many of them. Yeah. I'm with it. Yeah, I think there's a lot of supernatural and paranormal in the Bible and such. And I think one of the biggest things that there's a lot of ego there with the people kind in the tr- in charge of things. So even though I feel it's okay not to know things, I think that they fear they don't want to appear not to know, to know things or be questioned. So they just kind of dismiss, um, dismiss paranormal stuff awkwardly in a way to like make their deal seem more realer or more different where I don't think it's, I don't think it's that different. You know what I mean? Yeah. All right, cool beans. So we hope uh, we answered your question. All right, next up. Uh, what can one do to not be lost in the in-between and remain a ghost from Thomas? Good question. I don't know. Uh, that's good. That's kind of a, that's a tricky one. What can one do not to be lost in the in-between? I like the in-between. I think that's a good thing. Uh, I'm going to start using that. Um but uh, geez, I don't know. I mean, this Ray might have a better answer for me than me. Um, what can one do? I mean, I don't really even fully know. I, you know, traumatic death it kind of keeps people back, uh, maybe going before their time, and those are things you can't really control, anyways. You know what I mean? So, uh, would you just say what be more, you know, open to the spirit world and more accepting of death and what would you say would be the best way to handle that situation? I would say when you focus on the uh, spiritual and you do not, your primary identity is not your physical body. When your identity is your soul yeah. and you keep that soul identity strong, realizing that the body is just temporary and you willingly accept the crossing over and you accept the death as that then you have no reason to be trapped. There is nothing holding you back because you have already, while you're alive, given yourself over to whatever your soul path is to be able to cross over and to be able to accept that world instead of holding on to this one so desperately. I mean, people do it all the time, whether it's money, power, uh, relationships, but realizing what your soul is and what your spirit is and that it's inevitable that you grow beyond this life. Realizing that you will still love those here, um, be loved by those here. And who knows, maybe in a spirit world, you'll be able to help them even more than you can while you're here. Yeah. But detaching from the, detaching from the physical world and focusing on the spiritual world is the best way to have what I would call a clean break and a smooth transition. Yeah. Do you, th- do you think a fear of death could be a thing that actually keeps people that they're so afraid of the official crossover that they refuse to kind of go? you think that that could have any play into it? Uh, I would say yes. And part of that fear of is their attachment to life. Yeah. They're so attached to life that uh, it is just an enormous, it creates that fear and it can chop them here. Um, like we, we, in some of the, uh, during the first season, I think when we were doing some ghost stories and people that were trapped there, 
um, I think these are both stories of New England, different areas in here. Many of them had backstories of the people that lived there that uh, lost a loved one in a house, whether it was a child or a spouse, and they were trapped in a house. Yeah. Or they lived in a the house, they had their positive attachment to the house, they had the trauma in the house, and their whole life became focused on that home. And they were trapped in that loop of being focused on in that home, in that location, and their past, which didn't allow them to move on to the spirit world, which is where they would have found that loved one they lost. Where they would have found that found that peace on the other side. But they were so rooted to this world, whether it was a loved one or whether it was a location. Um, you know, someone, I don't know, they, they build a palace and uh, they rule from that palace. Let's say it was a king or something. Uh, we recently did some stories about some haunted places. I think it was in England uh, where rulers were still seen. Hmm. Well, they, they, they were so busy being a king and ruling and their castles and so attached to it that when it came time to move on, they were trapped in that same place. Yeah. They couldn't let go. So the process of letting go begins uh, while you're living in this, in this life, realizing that it is transient, that it is going to pass and it is going to end. And there's something greater on the other side. And when you accept that, then when it does happen, the transition, I believe is much smoother and yeah, you're less likely to be trapped here. Yeah. Nice. Losing your attachments to the physical world. Yeah, I support that. I support that to the fullest. You know what I mean? All right, next up, we have from Jeff, uh, for a non-believer, how would you change their mind? <laughs> if, 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 if such things could even be done you know what i mean i guess it would all stem with how much of a non-believe they are because at one point it would turn into stubbornness and you just couldn't couldn't switch up their mind no matter what uh on on the realities and the unrealities of the situation what do you think Ray? Well, yeah, when you say non-believer, I agree with the stubbornness aspect. Are you talking about a non-believer or uh, an adamant denier? That no matter what you put in front of them, they're going to deny it. I know that um, when in, I think it was the Ohio State Reformatory, and I went into a cell, and we did an episode, and the EVP is on there. Um, the first thing I got, and I didn't hear it while I was there, but when I played it back, and I forgot the exact words I used, but it's something like, you know, how do you feel my being in here? And played the EVP back and back, and a voice goes, "This is our place." Uh, what do you want? What do you want me to do? Get out. Well, if you're a non-believer and you experience that, you yeah. have no explanation except. You have to accept that that came from the other side. If you're a denier, you're going to look for every... Oh, there must have been someone somewhere down there in another cell or someone rigged up a mic or someone... Okay, a denier will never believe. Yeah. But you can, uh, whether it's evidence, if you go to what I would call a legitimate medium, where you give them no information at all, except for maybe a yes or a no, when they give stop giving you information, and... You come out of there with um, 
a ton of information from this stranger that you gave nothing to, then you're going to have to sit down and say, there's only one place that that could come from, those in spirit. So you can go from non-believer to believer. You're never going to go from denier to believer. Yeah. Not because a, a spirit could you know, appear in front of a denier, slap him in the face, and they, they're going to be looking for an, an excuse for it. But outside of a very well-organized investigation, um, like I said, a very legitimate medium, um, you can find things like that which will help you. And if you have to walk, you walk into a situation where I, I remember also in the, uh, oh, in Ohio State, I was in a room alone. It was where the library was and, and, uh, the inmates could go in. Mm-hmm. And I basically said, okay, I'm leaving now. I'm walk, walking out and I hear no with my ears. Then later on, I played a recorder back and the no is on there. It was an empty room. If you're in the empty room and you get something audible that you can hear and you can record, how can you be a non-believer? It's true. Seeing is believing, as they say. Yep. You know, I'd like to add to that. I usually say things like, um, if I'm talking to someone that doesn't believe in anything like that, I'd usually, you know, I'd ask them if they believe in like good and bad, good and evil, you know, in the energy. You know, be like, well, you know, when you go into a room and you feel that negative energy, like you don't want to be there or something like that. And they can usually agree to that. And you go, okay. And then you've been in a place where everybody was having fun and it had a really good energy to it. And they can agree to that. It's like, well, if you can agree to that being an, an actual entity of good and bad out there, I think that's the start to kind of kicking off and getting in line with other things. And you know what I mean? Being open to other things. You know, and that's how the show goes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what do you think? You agree? I agree. Yeah. Yep. All right. Next up, Kurt. Uh, what's your take on the current comet crisis? Woo! Yeah, comets are a big deal right now. Um, since like. Uh, I don't know that there was a, they did a movie called don't look up. That was kind of a big deal on Netflix. Everybody was talking about it, but then there was actual, you know, like new year, there was a new year's comet that was coming a little too close. And uh, I was reading an article recently for another show about how there was like in the first, like 15 days of 2022, there was like three different times that comments were going to be, coming close but uh no cigar as they say um which is a good thing we'd rather it's a no smoking section when it comes to the close but no cigar um but yeah i it's very weird i've said on the on, on the show before uh i think comets play a big part in the end of all um even in the bible uh the bible talks about uh, mountains on fire falling to the earth, which uh, if you listen to the show, you've heard me and Ray a new, new number of times say how when things were being written back in the day that they couldn't exactly explain, they would explain it in terms that they could understand then, not so much what we're re- reading now, you know what I mean? So like, if you were to think of what is a comet on fire falling from the sky, I mean, what is a mountain on fire falling from the sky? That's a comet. That's what it is. 
Um, and, you know, of course the dinosaurs, uh, they went out way of the comet and, uh, is, you know, who's to say what other civilizations and it, it have gone the way of the Buffalo because of the comet and everything's in cycles. So it's a, it's a weird vibe where it's almost like there is maybe a reset button every so many years, you know what I mean? And everything has to start all over again. And I think that, uh, unfortunately it is. And, you know, every, every now and then we, 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 we beat the buzzer and we, we ex- exterminate ourselves. But I do think that there is kind of a, and I do think it's via comet. I do think there's a a, gig, a gigantic reset button that we call the comet that does come around every, you know, billion years or whatever. It's not not a frequent thing. Um, imagine if it was, if it was all Truman Show and we were all fed drugs because every 70 years or every, it will say 130 to be more accurate, every like 130 years, something comes back and just uh, takes everything out. But you would have to, you need more time to, to regroup, to recreate, to restart. But I do think, uh, all joking aside, I do think that, yeah, the comet is kind of an, a game, a game ender. Uh, I do think that it circles around and we, we have to deal with it from time to time. There's a lot of things from out of space, like black holes and stuff that they're so far away that we never think about them, but they could literally pop up at any time and cancel Christmas. It's a big problem for us. Um, but what's your take on the comet, right? Well, as far as the comet goes, I think part of that is we tend to focus on it a lot, and that has to do with the human race is the ego of the human race. Yeah. We live uh, in a solar system, in a galaxy, in a universe with billions of galaxies and billions upon billions of planets. And there's certain uh, interactions, uh, like you said, there's black holes, there's a whole slew of things going on. I mean, we have the, uh, I think it's called Kuiper Belt. I'm not sure. It's, it's the asteroid belt out past, past Mars. Um, and we have comets and we have asteroids, but the human race tend to th- tends to think it's so special that it e- either will not happen to them or cannot happen to them. There's a randomness, even among the order of the universe, there's a certain randomness that happens and comets are part of it. On the uh, moon got, if you go back billions of years ago, the moon got whacked. Uh, the earth has been whacked several times. And, but, we're in a position where we think on this tiny little planet among these billions and billions of planets, we're so special that, uh, Oh, it can't happen to us. Um, it does happen. It's part of the whole cycle. And that cycle, if you take a look at Aboriginal cultures, we currently look at time as uh, linear in a straight line. Yeah. Aboriginal cultures saw it as circular. There's a beginning to end. There's always cycles that go around. They instinctively knew or, their connection to the earth and spirits uh, gave them the knowledge or awareness that everything cycles and turns around. And they didn't see themselves as the center of the universe, just part of that grand cycle of birth and then eventually rebirth, uh, where things came into existence, went out of existence, and came into existence again. But we don't we don't see it that way now, so... Um, when science allows us now to watch a comet or track it coming in, we go we go crazy. 
again, that's also being attached to this life in this world, and that's our egos. But, you know, it's sad. It would be sad to see uh, life mostly wiped out on this earth, but it's the life we know now. And who knows what would what would come down the line, what might survive, and uh, what form of life might arise from that. And who knows, could even be a little bit more enlightened and better than us. Yeah. Now, in the Bible, it's called Wormwood, right? Isn't that the name of the comet or something like that? Wormwood? Um, I don't know. I know there's wormwood oil that goes into making of removed and absinthe. But that's the only wormwood I know of. I, I believe wormwood is a, a, the, the name of this gigantic mountain on fire that destroys wow. the earth. Yeah. Um. But yeah. So yeah, the comet deal is uh, the comet deal is very real. You know what I mean? Yep. Next up from Greg. What's your opinion on praying? You want to take this one first or me? Oh, you can take it. I'm curious to see what you say about praying. You know, praying, I feel, is an important thing. Now, I feel like it's just it's speaking out positivity. So you can call it praying. You can call it speaking out positivity. You can call it uh, whatever you want to call it. But I think just speaking it out into the existence in the world of things you want to happen or need to happen um, and being positive about these things, which I think that's all kind of praying is, is kind of that. And I, I think that what was this question? What's our take on, uh, opinion? So yeah, praying, I think is that it's just kind of asking whether it be God or the universe for these things to happen and uh, speaking them out into the world makes them kind of real. You know what I mean? Um, takes it from out of your head into, into the universe, if you will. Um, so, I, yeah, I think it's a, a good thing, no matter what you want to call it. Um, and uh, I think, yeah, you know, I go a little deeper and say you should, everybody should have a relationship with, uh, you know, talk, talk to talk to something that's good for you, I think. Um, but, yeah, I think I think that's what kind of praying is. Either whatever you want to put your name, what, the name to it, it's one of those things. What do you think? Well, that puts praying in the category of manifesting, and I partly agree with that, uh, putting that that positive energy out there to manifest. I also think that on a on another level, praying is communicating. Um, you may people may use different names, whether it's the Creator, the God, the Universe, but the force that uh, is at the center of creation, that is at the center of all things that force we are a part of it and when we pray we're reconnecting to that force to that essence that we came from and it's the same force that created the entire universe and when we pray and we pray from our heart as well as our mind then we are reconnecting with that god with that force with that creator and making a bond at that time, to manifest or to get help in achieving that objective, preferably, let's say, healing for somebody or some something good, creating a good situation. I mean, it's to me, there's a difference if, let's say, um, 
you have a loved one that's that's sick and you're praying for them as opposed to the superficial praying to win the lottery this very di- there's a big difference there one is one is you're communicating w- with the divine to try and help another child of that divine yeah. heal and one is simple greed but i believe prayer is effective prayer is real and if you listen very carefully when you pray some people call it med- the listening they say prayer is talking to god list meditating is listening but if you listen or if you open yourself up after prayer, then that is where you get that guidance and you start making right choices in your life. Yeah. That's, that's where those right choices become your instinct because you're being guided by a force higher than yourself. And you make that connection through prayer. Yeah. I'm with that. You know, I'm with that fully. Definitely. All right. So, um, Greg, we hope that we answered your question with that one, Gregory. Uh, next up, buddy, what are the foul odors left by ghosts? <laughs> I know you've seen this one. I know you've seen this one when it was asked. No, 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 no. no. I cleaned the foul odors left I by clean, ghosts. Yeah, I cleaned it up a little bit from his actual question to keep it a little PG-13 for the people mm-hmm. out there. But, um, yeah, you know, he said, you know, you, you often hear about when, you know, paranormal things, people say, oh, I smell rotten eggs or I smell this. It was really bad. I smelled rot- like flesh decaying. Why is there, uh, why the questions, why is, why, why, why is that? Well, I would say it's, it's a manifesting and primarily when you have those, uh, that type of odor. Um, it is either meant to intimidate or it is something evil that's yeah. trying to scare you because it, it's playing on, it's playing on what, what you've taught. If, if you go back to, to, uh, religion, you know, hellfire, brimstone, burning, you go sulfur, burning, rotten eggs and stuff. So it's trying to invoke a feeling in you. Yeah. And a manifestation by a particular spirit can be either something that, um, they're trying to use to communicate. For instance, let's say uh, grandma used to have a particular perfume and you hear, you smell it when you go in her house, even though she's not there anymore and hasn't been for 10 years. It's, it's, a, it's a method of manif- manifesting and letting you know that they are there. The foul odors come from foul or negative beings. Yeah, I'm with that. You know, they want to, it's their way to kind of upset you too. If they want to make you feel disgusted, you know what I mean? They would have a foul, a foul, really make an impact, you know, either be really bad or really good. You know what I mean? Well, if they can scare you and they can set you off balance, once you're off balance and you're fearful, you're more vulnerable. I agree. So it's, you know, it's a good, good technique to uh, set you off and uh, try and get to you. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, I'm with that. So hopefully, uh, buddy, we answered your question about foul odors out there. Uh, next one up is Kelly. Uh, ha- have you been to the Paul Dever School in Taunton? I heard it was haunted. It's kind of a, a local one, Massachusetts question. 
Uh, are you familiar with Paul Dever School in Taunton, Ray? Have you ever heard anything about that? No, I haven't. I'm not familiar with that, but you suddenly made me interested. Yeah, me too. I'm, uh, I, uh, I'm, I, I, I'm not familiar with that at all. Um, so I'm going to actually, in this episode, I might pop in a little research and it will might come back to that question. I might kind of look up real quick what she's talking about and uh, try and salvage. Um, so we'll go to the next one real quick. That next one is, sorry, Kelly, we will return uh, in just a moment. Uh, if you could be a spirit for one day, who would you hang with and why? That's from Lisa. Uh, interesting question. Uh, to be a spirit for one day, whew, it's almost like, do you want to even, do you want to do that? It's, it's like the reverse of the question from earlier, kind of, where it's like, do you want it? What if you can't, what if it's one of those things where like, you only get 12 hours and after 12 hours, you're stuck in the spirit world, like an old 90, 80s cartoon uh, type situation. You got to be careful. What do you think, Ray? Well, the other, uh, okay, you're going to be a spirit for one day. How are you going to use that? I mean, is it spy on people? Um, I don't know. Um, I would probably say I wouldn't want to be a spirit for one day. You're assuming that you can pop over, hang around, and come back. Hopefully, if you could do that, then maybe you could learn more from those in spirit instead of hanging around with somebody on this side. Hang around with those in spirit and learn from them what the next step is, what the next world is about, um, where, what will impact your successful progression to a higher level. Uh, to me, that's more interesting than, be, because if you don't have that and you're going to hang around with somebody in this world, you're not going to benefit them. About the only thing you do would, would be scare them because you don't have the knowledge of someone who has transitioned and been there for a while. Yeah. So, so hanging around with, with someone around here, I mean, unless you're saying, okay, yeah, I'd like to hang around with so-and-so and scare the crap out of them. That's one thing. But, you know, outside of that, I don't see a practical reason unless it is to be able to hang, so to speak, with those in spirit and learn from them, bring that knowledge back and better your life and hopefully uh, better other people's lives that way, particularly when you're looking at um, making your transition smoother, not getting trapped as a ghost and uh, moving on to a higher level. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, I don't really know who it's like. It's it's the flip, you know what I mean. If I was to be a spirit, if I was to be a spirit for a day, I probably wouldn't want to hang with. I wouldn't want to hang with anybody. What I'd want to do is I'd want to fly like a bird through the hole everywhere. You know what I mean. I'd want to go around, just be everywhere at once type deal. Um, soar soar over the oceans and. Uh, you know, go anywhere. I feel like um, it'd be more of something like that than wanting to go to hang with anybody type deal. Well, you're in a whole new universe. You're in the spirit world. Think of what there would be to explore, to learn, to encounter. Um, 
everything that we don't know or don't come across in this lifetime. That, that would be, uh, the greatest part of it. And if you could bring some of that knowledge back to help you and preferably also help others in this lifetime, that would be a great goal. I mean, otherwise it's, you know, well, uh, let's see. I want to go back to that guy that, uh, used to bully me in high school and I want to keep uh, turning his TV off or something, you know, spook him out. But no. I, I, I'd say, you know, if I could spend that time over there, it would be to learn more and bring that back, bring it back into this world and hopefully be a better person for it. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm with you on that. I agree with that. To go back to the previous question with Kelly, um, the Paul Devers, it's, a, it's an abandoned mental uh, institute. You know, it's in Taunton, Massachusetts, was constructed in 1942 as Fort Miles Standish, where millions of American troops were held for processing before being deployed to fight German forces during World War II. The fortress was also used as a prisoner of war camp and in 1952 was reestablished as a state for the students with learning disabilities or other mental illnesses. Uh, in 2002, the, the, it was closed and left abandoned, uh, w- at which rumors started to uh, gather about it. Uh, they say that it's, a, you know, some of the kids uh, that were kind of abused uh, there were are said to, like, be still there. And I assume some of the people that were processing, held for processing before being deployed, you know, I'm sure, you know, whenever people are going off to war, I think there's all, there's always leaves for their suicide somewhere in there of people that don't actually want to go. And then the POW camp being a thing for POW camp. I sure, I assume there's a lot of suicides there as well because they just don't want to deal with it anymore. Um, so they figure out a way out type deal. And I think I bring up suicides because I think that's one of the things to go back to even a question even before. Um, yeah, I don't know with me, me and Ray kind of differed on the suicide, differ on the suicide thing a little bit too. Cause I know you had an actual occurrence where somebody who did crossed over and they said that they were in a peaceful place, but I've all, I was always raised and it's been burnt into my brain, um, that it wasn't a good look for you to do that on the other side. It was almost like murdering somebody else, murdering yourself. Um, so like that, 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 that's, that's a gray area for me. Um, but I know a lot of that stuff happens at places. So yeah, that's the diva school there. Uh, what's your take on it after hearing a little bit about it? Uh, what I'd like, it has all the criteria to be haunted because all of the trauma and energy released there, the negative energy in particular, what I would love to do is find out if, (coughs) excuse me, (coughs) if somehow, were able to get permission to go in there and investigate that and take a look at it and see what we could find out. That's what fascinates me. It would be a location that uh, hopefully we can put on a list and someday get to go and investigate. Yeah. Uh, May 27, 2013, major fire, uh, three alarm fire happened there, burnt down a chunk of it, uh, so, which makes me kind of think it's like there was a Hanson mental hospital that burnt down too. You almost wonder if it was the energy, but, I, you know, not to be a naysayer, 
but definitely teenagers go to party in places like that for sure, for sure, for sure. Because and oh, they, yeah. they, they start fires and get crazy and do stupid things. And I think that's where a lot of like, a lot, why a lot of those places burn down. Um, yeah. Uh, by 2015, the majority of the building was born down 10 or less uh, remaining now, you know, part is all broken up uh, in the sections. Construction has begun on a new, on new warehouses. So they're trying to do it in the warehouses. There's probably still something going down there. The school is mostly demolished and it's being used for an expansion of the Miles Standish Industrial Park, one of the most profitable industrial parks in Massachusetts. Maybe they hope they're going to come into some bad luck now that they're uh, cross, cross, uh, crossing their paths over there. Uh, yeah. By as of late 2016, none of the abandoned buildings remain, so they've all been torn down. Um, and warehouses above, so yeah, we weren't familiar, Kelly, with that one, but it's definitely some interesting stuff. And it doesn't seem to be anything kind of there anymore, except for the new warehouses. Uh, otherwise, it'd be kind of a cool spot to go kind of visit. Taunton's pretty close. And uh, see what the deal is. Might do a little more research on it. And uh, you never know. Maybe it'll pop up as an episode on a future. Mostly ghostly. So uh, next up, we have. Oh, no. Another buddy question. Do you think drugs open up your mind to the paranormal? What a crazy question. What a butter butter Foucault question. I would say I would say certain drugs have the potential to because they will break down certain conditioning or barriers that you have. There are different cultures. I know in uh, Western America, uh, the U.S., you had peyote. Uh, I think in South America, what is it? Ayacushka, I think is, is down oh, yeah. there. But that is is done in a controlled ayahuasca. ayahuasca, that's it. Um, that is done in a controlled situation with a medicine man guiding you through and helping you with your visions and what, what you're going to see. Um, and also one which uh, they actually, medicine is has accepted and uh, for the treatment of, of, of certain people with certain disorders is psilocybin, your yeah. magic mushroom. But that also has a uh, history in itself of being something where uh, people who are who take it are pretty much forever changed afterwards. They have a different outlook on things. Yeah. Uh, I'm not saying pot would do it. I'm not saying LSD would. But there have been in cultures uh, certain drugs that they use for mind expansion, which basically breaks down our barriers and attachments to this world and makes it easier for us to open up to the spirit world or the other side. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I know, you know certain drugs can make you see certain things, but the question is what, whether those things are real or whether you're just, just a drug doing it, you know what I mean? Um, but I do believe that certain things will open up your mind to see things. Um but yeah, what it's a very fine line there. Um, 
I know that talking to different investigating teams, I know that they don't in car they don't want people during investigations to be on any type of drugs. Um, so that I guess that's going to stand for something. Um, but that doesn't exactly mean that it doesn't do anything. Maybe it, it could heighten it to the point where you're, you could be in some real trouble. You know what I mean? Um, I know with things like weed, you'd get paranoid. That ain't going to be good because the fear could sense of fear or something. Um, overlook things, you know, LSD and, and, and magical mushrooms and stuff that make you see things. I'd have to go back to the statement about, are you seeing them because they're there? Are you seeing them because it's all in your head? Um, but I mean, the, the vibe of it opening up your third eye, so to speak, and you being able to see some stuff you regularly wouldn't be able to see. I'm not kind of turned off to that idea as well. It's a real thin line. I guess it could be an episode in itself realistically, but um, to keep it simple, uh, do we think drugs open up your mind to paranormal? I'd say sometimes, probably. Not all the time. Say, yeah. In the right situation, they have the potential. I know that from things I've read that um, if you take like the psilocybin, that people, after they've used it, and uh, when they're not under the influence, are able to see or experience things. Yeah. So it's something in the mind. Some people will say, well, it scrambled your brain, and now you do. There's always going to have people who say that. But uh, there's something done in the right context, um, whether it is uh, a medicine man, a ritual, to be able to break <laughs> down a few barriers and be able to see some things. Um, I think the potential is there to, yeah, open someone up so that they will be able to connect with the other side. But it has to be controlled and by someone experienced. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, but but no hard drugs, children. They just put you to sleep. You can't do no investigating on hard drugs. Um, next up. We got, uh, this one's coming from Alex. Can we create another dimension with just the power of our thoughts? That's kind of an interesting question. Good question, Alex. It's kind of like almost a nightmare on Elm Street. Can you create a dream world dimension almost that you could like, that's what I'm gathering. You know what I mean? Um, and we do the human mind conjuring thing where we talk about entities conjuring up entities and stuff. But I never even thought about creating your own little dimensional world. You know what I mean? I assume it's probably possible, probably take a lot of energy. But I, I think that you probably could. I don't know. What do you think? Is it a dimension way too big or it could be a small dimension? People would say dimension, your brain inside your imagination is a dimension. You know what I mean? Uh, so with that being with that being said, I'll probably what I'll go with is that yeah, you know, uh, inside your head is its own little world and dimension. So that could be the closest thing to it. Um, they say that the future will everybody just be you know avatars and games. Everybody will be like in a, a simulation. I think we're in a simulation now, but where we're going, you know, like how they get the NFTs and all this stuff like that. 
that's blowing up. It's all because in the future, supposedly nobody's going to leave their house and everything will literally be on their computer and uh, your money will be all digital. Your possessions will be all digital. Um, it's almost like you just lay in a coffin hooked into a fucking computer and uh, it all kind of goes, you live your life in a hard drive, which they've been saying for years in science fiction and it's finally coming true. It's kind of crazy. But uh, what's your take on, on creating a dimension with your mind? Well, I think that it's probably it might be getting to some semantics, just which words you choose. But if you take a look at the quantum world, we're constantly creating our own reality. Mm-hmm. As, soon as, as soon as you observe something, you affect what you're observing, and you're creating your own reality. No two people see something exactly the same way. Yeah. Now, you want to extend that if, uh, okay, we are energy. Energy is never lost. It just transforms. So the possibility of creating with our own energy another mini-universe or another dimension, uh, you could even call it a perspective, mm-hmm. um, that does exist. Um Again, when two people look at one thing, they don't see the same thing. So they're really creating two different realities. And they're living in two different worlds because they're not observing it the same way. And yes, I think that we have the ability to create our own little world, our own dimension. And we live in that. Yeah, I agree with that. The future is here. The future is now. Nonfiction. Um, so hopefully we answered your question with that one, Alexander. Uh, good question. You know what I mean? Another dimension. I've really thought of that, creating it, but it does. It makes, it's matrix-like. You know what I mean? It's definitely a great question. And we could, you could, you could also say you do that every time you go to sleep at night and dream. Yeah. I think I said, I think it's all your imagination is a dimension. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, for sure. All right. Next up. All right. Uh, this one comes from Frankie. Frankie says, you know, ninth grade. Yeah. He was hanging out in a cop's Hill cemetery and, uh, there was a tombstone that he seen that he never forgot it. He said that, uh, it was a picture of a skeleton, uh, on it, on the, with an engravement. And, uh, he said the engravement was this. It said, stop here, my friend, and cast an eye, for you are now, for once was I, for I am now, you must be, prepare for death and follow me. Um, and he said that that's the scariest fucking thing he ever read in his life, and he was horrified, and he remember he, he's an older gentleman now and remembers it from ninth grade. Um, you smiled like you knew that poem. Like you I knew did. And where where does that come from? Originate from? Do you know? I'm trying to remember, but it's it's not coming to me. But yeah, I know that one. Yeah. The um, and then his que- that was his little story. And his question was, "What's the weirdest thing that ever happened to you at a cemetery?" That was the weirdest thing that ever happened to him. So he want to know what happened to us. Weirdest thing. Okay, you, you take this one first. Weirdest thing that ever happened to me in a cemetery. Um, 
man. We well, recently, we I remember recently this one, we were doing an investigation um, with Metro West brought us out and it was a, it was a haunted cemetery, right? That was the deal. But yep. we got, we got lost. I remember we got lost because it brought us to this, the GPS brought us to some other cemetery, which we've had issues with GPS in the, in the past. Um, and once we and Cindy Lou got kind of lost, we got to that one and they went somewhere else. And I remember we stumbled into this to kind of go with what he's going with. There was this really old part of the cemetery that we went into and it had all the high, um, the high up, um, the high up, uh, you know, the big pillars and stuff like that. You could tell that there was some money behind the people that were in the ground and we were looking at their tombstones and they had like weird Illuminati imagery on it. And like, it was, I remember they had, you know, if you want to know deeper about this, look into the forts. That's what it was, right? Where we went to, what was the, what was it? We invested, we did an episode on it. Do you remember what that was? No. It was with the prison, the same day we did the prison, the forts. It was the first thing we ever did with them investigating. We had to drive. Oh, yeah. yeah. What was that? What was that place called? Uh, it was a it was a prison camp, and where was that out? In, uh, I don't remember where it was. The, uh, got it. it was a prison camp. It was a prison. Yeah, uh, the Rutland Rutland prison. Uh, camp. Rutland. Yeah, that. Yep, that'll get you there. Yeah. So we yeah. did the yeah we did the Rutland prison camp, and it was kind of a big area, and um, that you know the going we got a lot lost the second time around, and we stumbled into those weird those weird gravestones um, that was creepy. I've been in the cemetery when, and I felt like I've seen people on hills and stuff that weren't really there and stuff like that. I remember the first time me and Ray went to a cemetery, he was getting the vibes of people and was telling stories of kind of what happens uh, there. He told me the, the first, about how the hills, the thing about hills, usually at the, the highest point of the cemetery is usually like the, the, the most specialist places. Um, but genuinely, I really like cemeteries. Like when I go for my walks, I usually walk through the cemetery. I loop around it a few times because I think it's quiet and peaceful and, uh, I support it. I've never really had like a super creepy. I'm not even, cause I'm not creeped out by them. Like I could, I've walked through them through, but during the nighttime and I never really had any, any weird, you know, I remember as a kid one one year on Halloween we were trick or treating, and I remember running through the cemetery with my cousins and some friends, and we we creeped ourselves out by saying, "So somebody's chasing after us." And you know, as you're when you're a kid, just the, the mention that there's something chasing after you has you hauling heavy ass through that cemetery. So like the the vibe, the creepy vibe that you get of being scared of, you know that that memory sticks out. And that was kind of like those Illuminati tombs were kind of real weird. And I remember we seen a grave. We were brought to a grave that looked like it had blood on it. Also on that investigation, and it, it which was kind of weird. Uh, we took a picture. 
I took a picture there. There was a keyhole that you were supposedly, if you take, uh, you look in it or take a picture, you see faces. And uh, I remember uh, I took a picture and I did felt like I could see a few faces in it, which we have footage. We got to do something with that footage um, and pictures. But so those are kind of my creepy stories, I guess, for cemeteries. Uh, I can't think of anything off the top of my head at this moment, but do you have any creepy uh, cemetery tales? Well, just two of them from the age of about 10 onward. I always found cemeteries fascinating. Um, Yes, They were a peaceful place to go uh, during the day, uh, take walks, spend time in nature. Uh, If you're in a city, they're the only, only nature around. Um, one cemetery I went into at night, I ended up spending a whole night there. I was in there alone and it was just, uh, wanted some quiet time. And, uh, there was a lady all in white who kept on drifting back and forth uh, between the graves. And each time I went over there, I'd turn around and she was in another area. Yeah. I wasn't, wasn't able to track her down. Uh, that probably went on for over an hour. Uh, there was another older cemetery. And uh, this was a very old one. I went in there as a young teenager. Um, I would go there during the day, and I went in there at night also. And I was walking along, and I felt something tug on my ankle. And I looked down, and I looked down, and I saw what I thought was a hand. Yeah. So I pulled my ankle real fat, real hard, and ran out of there. Now, I went back the next day, because I had been in there before, and it didn't make sense. Yeah. I went back the next day to the same area I had taken a walk. And I went back and forth over the same route, because I knew exactly where I ran out of there from, where I was when it happened. There wasn't a bush. There wasn't a statue. There wasn't a low grave. Um, there wasn't thicket. There was nothing whatsoever for my leg to get stuck up on. I have no idea why I felt that tug and I saw that hand. But whatever it was, it freaked me out for a while. Um, it took a while before I went back into that cemetery again at night. But being young and reckless, I did go back again because I wanted to find out what was going on. Yeah. No, I agree with you completely. It's one of those things that's like, if you were going to be a spirit, why would you want to hang around your body? So, yeah, that was a beautiful run. Beautiful run. Uh, 13 hot questions coming in hot as a tamale is burning up the scene. Uh, we thank everybody for uh, pitching in there, uh, pitching in their questions, you know what I mean? And uh, sharing their stories with us, you know. Uh, you know, especially like Kelly and Frankie sharing their stories of, you know, that Frankie's story of the, that cemetery, which I now want to go see that tombstone. Um, very crazy, very crazy and creepy. Uh, maybe we'll, 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 we'll do a show live and direct from, and, uh, Kelly with the Paul Devers school, which we were both unfamiliar with at the time. Um, now might be a future episode. You know what I mean? We got a couple of mental hospitals in, in our state um, that maybe we could do an episode on just our state hospitals. State of shock, state hospitals of Massachusetts coming to you in season two of the ghostly mostly. You know what I mean? 
reverse it. I said it that way so when you play the record backwards, you'll get the correct pronunciation. <laughs> um, but yeah, so yeah, thanks everybody for sending your questions. We love it. Uh, this is becoming a yearly thing, it seems. So I guess we'll be catching y'all in uh, season three's episode of uh, even more questions from beyond the web. But until then, we'll have a whole bunch of more mostly ghostly episodes for you. Uh, next up, 100th episode. Woo! Time flies when you're having fun. You know what I mean? We hit that 100 pretty quick, it feels. And uh, next episode, we're going to be taking a trip down memory ghostly lane and talking about some of our favorite episodes from at least the last 50, uh, if not the last 100. Woo! And uh, with that being said, you know, we just sh- recorded uh, season one. I mean, season three, episode one <clears throat> coming your way. Um, and you'll be guys will be getting that, uh, March, I think, uh, is when we start back up again. I got to talk to the big wigs, uh, and get the lay down on when, when our time. I know we will we, we'll be, yeah, we'll be, uh, we'll be season three, I believe starts up March. I could be wrong. I think the first week of March is when y'all going to catch, uh, catch season three starting, but don't quote me just yet folks um but with that being said thanks for listening thanks for sending your questions do you want to say anything in closing ray nope just uh stay out there stay protected and keep it ghostly keep it ghostly baby we got ghostly things coming to y'all in the new year we hope everybody had a great new year's and uh yeah we'll catch up with y'all soon in season three of mostly well actually one more episode and then season three is popping off don't miss it you listening right now mark your calendar you want to be here next week for the hundredth episode of mostly ghostly very fantastic and we'll catch y'all on that episode time slip of mostly ghostly (laughs) 